G'day. Welcome to Radio Notes. I'm the producer and host of I'm John Merch. Today, our feature guest is Maxon, recorded in a city library in Melbourne last June. And from the archives, we'll catch up with Katie Manning. After playing part one of a chat from the archives, seem to want more? That's coming your way, a 10-minute chunk of an interview back from around 2013. We were to have a chat with Tara Simmons, singer, songwriter, composer, producer, extraordinaire from Queensland, Australia. That was to happen over the last couple of days, but equally so, cancer had its time with her and she passed away. My deepest sympathies to both friends and family of her. There's a new album on the way, one could hope. There was a few tracks still to be recorded and from Vision that I saw, she was in hospital recording those vocals and also sneaking out of said hospital to work on some of the drums and other instrumentation for it. In the show notes, I'll give you some links to her music, but also the Instagram stories you'll find there, where she's not only documented the recording of this next album, but also talks about having cancer both in the breast and on the brain, and also answering people's questions on the afterlife and how she's feeling and what she wanted in those final days as well. That's at instagram.com backslash Tara Simmons, S-I-M-M-O-N-S. I've been quite saddened by her passing. We've been having a few little chats in the last couple of months or so in the lead up to trying to get an interview. And I remember I first met her back in April of 2009 at the Grace Emily Hotel, where she was performing as part of the United Tour with McCartney, Simon Kelly, Edward Guglielmino, and she also had on that bill Kobe Grant, whose brand new album Something Borrowed, which is an album of covers, will be out in Belgium, Germany and the like on March the 11th, and will also signal that she's able to release some of her original music back online again. That's uh, Kobe Grant, who I cannot imagine how she's feeling at this time as well. So this week, two interviews will be part of the show. There'll be that with Katie Manning of Doctor Who a little later, and very soon we'll catch up with Max on. But before we do that, let's head in the box. Let's see who's been given a ping to the show. Just three. Uh, who have we got here? My Love Goes On featuring Josh Stone is released by James Morrison out through Atlantic Records. Or Felicity Urquhart's Frozen Rabbit comes Chain of Joy out through Universal. Earth People Fair is a new one from Formidable Vegetable from Western Australia. All the links and clips are available through the show notes on radionotespodcast.com. Radio Notes Discoveries. Before we head into the conversation with Maxon, our feature guest for this episode, I just wanted to let you know a discovery which has been going past my ears for the last couple of days for a New Jersey outfit called Dentist. Exactly how it sounds, Dentist. The album is called Night Swimming. Apart from the title track, there's also cuts called Alone in the Garden, Tight Spot and corked. This is the kind of sounds that include the catchy indie surf pop vibe. And if you want to check it out, you can. I'll have a link on the website. But for now, let's head to our feature guest. Maxon is from the Mornington Peninsula of Victoria, Australia. 
the latest single is History. They've duetted on national TV with an artist who's had 16 top 10 hits and two top 40 UK album releases. Maxon's own tune, No Impersonator, landing in broadcast to Katie Purvis's top 10 in 2017. They split their time between writing, singing and teaching. There is a power in their vocal, drenched in honest life experiences. AU Review cites them in their Women That Rock, 10 Emerging Female Musicians to Watch of 2018, a global list which includes Roller of Germany and The Peach Club from the UK. Diary Entry in Melody is how they describe their cut, History. Let's now join John and Maxon as they chat inside, of all places, the City of Melbourne's Central Library. Quietly, of course, cradling freshly brewed coffees and nibbling tasty snacks. Maxim, welcome to Radio Notes. Hey. Absolute pleasure to have you on board. Let's firstly talk about the music, get the genre question out of the way. <laughs> Where do you play when it comes to music for your performance, your writing? As in location-wise, or do you mean you mean genre? Yeah, in terms of genre. Oh, so you might gosh, listen to something genre else. Genre question. Yeah, so you might listen. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. So you might you might listen to the Kane West, but you actually yeah. might be more be more of a Tori Amos. Yes, yeah, I love Tori Amos. I grew up listening to mostly like Alanis Morissette and Jewel. At the moment, I'm steering in a pop rock direction. It's slightly changing from the really kind of raw soulful pop that I was doing so it's a bit more edgy which is pretty fun. From the Moynton Peninsula what kind of music activities are you doing there? At the moment I'm laying low which is really great Um, it's a really good place to tuck away and do some writing so I'm renting a house that my dad built actually it's just writing lots of music by the water which is pretty cool. In terms of playing, there's a few small venues down there, like wineries and things like that, but I'm not doing a whole lot at the moment, so writing time. Talk to us about that writing process. By the time Mm. this does become public, some of that material will be out and about. Your father has built a house? Yeah, he's a builder. Yeah, dad's a builder. He's um, got a couple of properties. Bricklayer, so yeah. Right. They actually live around the corner from me, but they built a house and I sort of said to him, if you're not going to rent it out at the moment, can I rent it for a bit from you and just lay low? Because I was um, living um, eastern suburbs, so closer to the city, just to kind of be around the live music scene a lot more. And then I was just like, I just need to go back home and, you know, regroup and write. Did he keep you in mind whilst he was building it? No, no, I think it was just like an investment thing for him. Yeah, I think he actually wants to sell it. I think he's trying to kick me out. (laughs) So you've got this window now where you've been doing the songwriting in this this abode, which is yours at the moment. Yeah. What's that process like? And I want to know in terms of how you divide up your day there in terms of songwriting. Yeah, it's a strange thing. Um, Mostly I like to get up and get out of the house and go for a walk, go to the beach just stay with my thoughts kind of thing and then come back and I'm always or almost always melody first Mm -hmm. so things just as I'm doing things during the day even if it's just like cleaning or showering or whatever melody will pop into my head and ideas will flow and then I'll go sit at the piano and and start that process there it is a weird thing being home every single day to do that Hmm. some days it's absolute rubbish but then other times, it's awesome. A little how, bit of magic. Talk to us about how 
the life experiences that are in your lyrics are translated into that space? How do you bring the life experiences mm. through to that space? When I so when I say melody comes to me first, it's all, there's always an emotion attached to that that melody. So I it kind of so I've just been through a big breakup. Um, I was with my partner for seven years. Mutual, like everything's great, but it obviously is still really hard. Um, it's only been a couple of months. And so a lot of the material I'm writing at the moment is me moving forward from that. Because I'm guessing there is that sense of duality mm. of a partnership. And at any point you want me to move on, please tell me. Oh my okay? gosh, it's so fine. I, I I'm don't so want to make you un- feel uncomfortable <laughs> as the body language starts crunching <laughs> no, up. No, do you know what? It's just that I haven't spoken about it yet, All but right. I'm totally okay. Yeah. You don't want to save it for the songwriting? No, no, it's so fine. It's actually good to get it out. I haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> so there's that seven years of duality mm. and now songwriting can be somewhat of a solo pursuit. Yes. Is there a level, a level of uncomfortability about going solo after so long after so long checking in with someone else that you're doing all right Uh uh-huh because uh so my partner's also a music ex-partner gosh that's weird to say Mm. also a musician singer songwriter engineer so everything i did went through her and we also wrote a lot of things together um it is very strange now not having that support in a way Mm -hmm. um and i feel like I've started to feel really nervous about the material I'm making and putting out because it's not, I don't know, it's just it's very raw and it's very like come straight from me only. Mm. Um, so I have been reaching out to other singer-songwriters and doing some collaborations and stuff, which is cool. To use the analogy though, you've built a house, but now you've had to move out. And luckily you've got another home to move into. Yeah. But emotionally... That house is quite... It's empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's empty. Yep. There's no one by my side at night. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Except words. Except words and, and melody memories. and memories and... Yeah. Yeah. So it's all music. It's all... I'm, I'm turning it into, into songs, which is great. How are you... And it may be too soon. How are you finding the strength to actually dive into that material? Oh, I've got no idea. It's... It's like, um, I don't know, you just do it. It's the only way I actually know how to process how I'm feeling is writing music. I don't, that's why it's so hard, like right now, Mm. I don't know how to actually say to you how I feel. Mm. But if I I could go into another room right now and just start singing something on a piano and then go, oh, that's that's what that feeling is. And I definitely don't want to take away from that, but I think from a listener point of view, particularly if this comes out at the same time for which those great tunes will be. You seem to be a person who, who will definitely put the personal in your work because mm. that's the right thing to do. Do you believe it's the right thing to yeah, do? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine doing it any other, other way. It's the only way I know how. It's, it, like I said, it's the way I process everything is, is through music. So I have to be honest and I have to be real and I have to share my story within the music. This seems light compared to what we're speaking about then but it is about the influences of music because that that is the repertoire for which you have built your foundations of musical knowledge so let's ask what they are could be well the Alanis Morissette's of the world for Mm. example but but it could be broader than that it could be quite niche so let's ask what those foundations are 
Growing up, music wasn't part of my family. Like nobody sings or writes music or performs or any kind of arts. Whatever was on the radio was what I took in. So at that time, it was Alanis Morissette Mm. and it was Jewel. But then I kind of went and found a few other things through them as I grew a little bit older to understand kind of what I wanted, what I liked in music. But what I really love in music is just somebody getting up there with one instrument and singing a song from their heart. It doesn't, I don't care what the genre is. I just love that aspect. If we look at both Jewel and Alanis come from very much a narrative songwriting. Yeah, yeah. Do you perceive yourself to be doing it that way? Um, I don't know because for me it's it's melody first so it's a it's a feeling and then the words kind of kind of like flow within that so I don't know if I'm so much of a storyteller Mm -hmm. more just if I'm angry I'll tell you I'm angry if I'm sad I'll tell you I'm sad Mm. if I'm happy it might be in there the the, the (laughs) thing that always complexes me about human beings that are so honest and open about their feelings is Mm. why other people aren't so responsive to that and actually engage with it for good right this studio well it's really just the home where you're writing the song it's It's not a studio yeah it's just a home you have a piano do you have a steinway you have a yamaha oh my gosh i wish i just have my keyboard my keyboard that i've been carting around to gigs for forever and a day and it sounds like got a lot of character though it's had beer spills on it it's had all these sticky and yuck (laughs) and do you write the music down or do you just play it out i record so because it all just comes to me it feels like it kind of falls into my lap i have to press record and just go for it and then listen back to and see if i like it or not because yeah it's otherwise it's gone maxim what's the colors you see when you're recording Oh, black, a big black hole. <laughs> um, that's really awful. I shouldn't say that. It, come, it definitely comes from a sad place most of the time, at the moment anyway. Black holes aren't necessarily bad things. <laughs> They're in space, which is a nice place. <laughs> Look, I'm seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, that's for sure. Colours, lots of them. It, it, it really varies because, for me, my melodies are... In my songs, there's, qu- there's quite a big range there. Hard to describe. If I was going to say something, it would be like more dusty colours, mm-hmm. like dusty pinks and dusty blues and dusty this and dusty that and greys, like clouds, and rather than like bright colours, which seems, I don't know, seems strange, but that's, I don't know, everybody sees different things, I suppose. Coming from someone who's based along the beach, mm. is there a desire to go out into the desert oh yeah yeah anything any desert any nature anywhere i'd love it love the hills like where's some of your favorite spots in terms of that i've never been into a desert sadly i would love to drive up the center of australia and spend time doing something like that i think that would be an incredible experience places on the peninsula that are really amazing i love waves so i love the back beach more than anything mm-hmm. i just find it really calming and really relaxing and i can kind of just think about nothing you mm-hmm. kind of go there and you just listen to that and there's no noise of the city or cars going by or well it's the equivalent of a, of a blank page isn't it it is yeah that's true yeah and so, so as a creative, you need a backdrop for which you can place a little bit of yourself, if yeah. not a lot of yourself, yeah. into the work. Yeah, it's very true. What have been some of the most 
Yet again, if it's been the last seven years, it might be a, a biting question, but what's been some of the most memorable travels? I just did a tour in January, a very small tour up the coast. Mm-hmm. There is a place there that I'd visited as a child. It's called Crescent Heads or Crescent Head. It's in northern New South Wales and it is so beautiful um, and peaceful. There's mountains and hills and there's surf beach. Yeah. Um, and it's this, It's a small town. If you go there in the middle of the year, like I'd say now before, before the school holidays, it'd be such an amazing place to be. It'd be so quiet. Again, because it's empty. Empty. I, I just love empty spaces, really. <laughs> like today, so we've come to the city this morning and I'm freaking out. We get here and I don't know where to park the car. I'm scared of all the people. Everybody's touching me. <laughs> get me out of here. So now it's nice because we're in a library. Yeah, and I'm calm. Well, it's weird because <laughs> everyone tells me that Melbourne's the most livable city in the world, and I come from a place called Adelaide, and we're just like, really? The hill's up there. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I can get on my pushy and I can be in bush. Get my pushy, be in bush See, for the hour. that sounds like the kind of city I need to be in. <laughs> it's calm, relaxing. Yeah. Oh, the beach? Yeah, she's about an hour and a half that way. Yeah. In fact... That's by Pushy. Yeah. <laughs> You're also a music teacher, Maxon. I am. How exciting <gasps> is that? Oh, it's nerve-wracking, it, it is it? It is so nerve-wracking. I don't know if I'm doing anything right, except that I know that I can inspire them to be creative. I think because I do my own work, my own songwriting, my own performing, they, they really look up to that. As a teacher of music, you've got these students who look up to you, they're inspired mm. by you and, and, and they're inspiring you, like I would assume, in mm-hmm. return. Yeah. If little Johnny there, who's learnt the music through you, yeah, comes up to you and says, hey, Max, I think I should audition for that, that TV show you did. Yeah. What are you going to say? I've got a couple at the moment who are sending in audition tapes. I try to be as open as I can about it if I honestly think it's not the right direction for them and they don't have the... You have to be pretty strong. You have to be pretty like, mm-hmm. I know what I want and I know what I'm doing and nobody's going to get in my way to, to be involved in television. Television's brutal. That's a really hard conversation for you as it a is. teacher, someone, yeah. someone who really wants to nurture their music to say, actually, your dream isn't right. Yeah. I just tell them how it is. I just say like, you know, if this if that's the avenue you want to take, this these are the opportunities that will or will not come from that. I'm not going to stop you. Obviously, I can't I can't stop you from doing it, but it it could make them, it could not make them. It's it's a for me, I did it at an age I was a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew where I was going with I just launched Maxin, the project, and I knew where I wanted to go with that and it steered me in a different direction. So I was quite angry that they didn't let me be who I am. Mm. They didn't let me show anything about myself. It was really a story for, I suppose, Delta Goodrum, like bless her, I think she's an incredible singer, but Mm. it was a story for her because I sang her song. So. You just have to think about those things. If, if you know where you're going and you know what you want to do, it's probably not the right avenue for you because they want to create you. Mm. Maxim, let me ask you about this vision of, of your music because you're at the writing stage at the mm. moment. 
I reckon you've got an album in you. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely an album in me. It's just probably funding, really. So Ooh. at the moment, it's hard. It's so hard to release music. It's You record, you might get a producer on board. I've lost my producer now because that's where my ex and I did all the work together. So I'm at a cross point, really. We, we did all of that stuff together. So now it's kind of, I've got a... I've got to find new people to work with and, I, and I'm, I'm getting there, but it's hard to find somebody who just understands you and understands your vision. Just talking about family. Hopefully that's happy place. Oh, yeah. No, it is happy place. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. Okay. There's some ups and downs. Every family has their... Mum and dad separated? No, no, mum and dad are together. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. it's sort of working. It's sort of working. <laughs> brother, sister, yay, nay? I have two brothers. I have an older brother. He's actually 10 years older than me. Hmm. Um, and a younger brother who's six years older, th- younger than me. So it's amazing blackouts that happen in the, the morning peninsula. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're quite spread out. But, but seriously, though, the older brother, mm. um, a mentor in any way? It's really funny because, yes, now we had very similar upbringings, obviously, same parents. When I was eight, he was 18, he was gone. He wanted to go. Yep. Went and moved up the coast for surfing and did his own thing, which is so amazing. But in so many ways, we didn't really know each other. Mm-hmm. So we've only really actually just reconnected in the past month. Has music helped with the reconnection at all? I've written a few songs about him. <laughs> um, music helps, but um, we just needed to... Not that we ever had a falling out as such. Mm. We just never, we've never been connected. This is with the older brother. The older brother, yeah. yeah. The younger brother? Younger, well, we mostly grew up together. Yeah, so, cool. yeah, we're all right. <laughs> and, and what do the parents think of this music biz? Oh, they've always been pretty supportive, actually. Dad does sometimes worry a lot, you know, when you're going to get a real job. <laughs> said, well, I'm teaching now, so does that, is that a real job? I've actually opened my own school. Is that a real job? <laughs> no, they've, they've been pretty supportive. They've, when I was younger, it was, you know, take me to places. Dad would bring the PA and, and mm. set it up for me. And, yeah, they've, they've been really amazing. That running your own school, that, mm. that balance of the two, as we mentioned, there's mm. that inspiration. There, there, there's some really happy moments there. Mm. But there's also that having a look at the next generation mm. do you get that vibe you seem to be very much in touch so do you get that vibe of where they'll be at it's very scary actually if we just put music aside for a second young people growing up today is so scary and the thing is if i say it, it might be young people these days and a bit of um but 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 from no, your perspective you're in that perfect I'm seeing spot. them every day and it's very they've all got mobile phones iPads they've all got everything they ever asked for the kids I teach anyway and I don't know it there's a lot of online bullying that goes on I see a lot of a lot it's actually quite interesting teaching because half of the lesson is actually quite a therapy session they mm. come in and i mean they're, they're young artists really they're coming in and they're singing and they're they're very emotional people mm-hmm. you spend half the lesson helping them through their daily life and a lot of them a lot of kids that i teach are, are bullied at school or they have issues with their their work they can't they can't focus yep. so music for them is a release but yeah i just uh, i worry about that and that's just 30 minutes or an hour a week 30 minutes yeah yeah it's quite an intense 
30 minutes, actually. How have you been dealing with that, mm. going through what you're going through? So mm. you've reached this point that yeah. we've already mentioned, and you, of course, can't share back. No. Of course. Yeah. So how have you been coping with the incoming? It's okay. I don't mind it. I, I, I don't mind listening. I don't mind being there, especially for the kids. For that time that I'm teaching, I'm there, I'm present, I'm, and I'm with them. So I'm there for them, mm. and I'm there to to teach them, to coach them, to write songs with them. Is it overwhelming, though? You can sense that it's not just you that are going through some things, but obviously... it's Yeah, it's definitely... It's, I don't know if you'd say overwhelming, but I definitely do get a bit upset seeing them so distraught. Mm. Um, and sometimes I might even push too hard with getting them to do exercises or things that they're not ready for yet because mm. I, I want them to be... I want them to be the best they can be. Mm. Um, and I do want to push them because I remember what that was like at my music lessons. You know, once you get a breakthrough and you unlock something mm. in your voice or you're playing, it's such an amazing feeling. So I want them to let go. But these days, and I, I assume it's so much to do with social media, they're so scared mm. to do anything outside their comfort zone. Tell me if I'm wrong here. We're talking teenage, sort of. Yeah, or primary younger. school too. Yeah. Yep. As you've already mentioned, they can have whatever they want and the parents are... A lot of parents are, are, are bending over backwards, not all. The technology mm-hmm. is there. They can be whatever they want to be. Yep. They should be able to do whatever they want to do because they have the right to express themselves. We're not living in a third world yes. regime. Yep. But you're saying at exactly the same time, any self-expression outside of their vision... Mm-hmm is still being limited. Yeah. Because I'm of the age where we used to sort of run around the back of the Nissa huts and sort of have a go at each other and tell, <laughs> tell people what we thought. Yeah. And no. if we went too far, then the person would tell us that you went too far. Now people aren't even no, testing those waters. No, they're too scared to. There's too much bullying and... and so they've started off with bubble wrap. Yeah. And now they've, they've become like an eggshell within the yep. bubble wrap. Yeah. It's really sad and I used to be quite shut off from people and I still find it really hard but music obviously has helped me open up because I write about personal experience but they they do they're just they're they're, they've got this wall up and it's so hard to bring it down. What's your technique to get through that? Just music. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting like song and dance really lifts somebody's spirits like there's no doubt I mean look at music therapy and and palliative care and what it does and you know start playing music I might even just sing them a song or we might write a song which will help them unlock something that they're going through and understand why they're feeling the way they're feeling Mm. do these kids have a place of trust anymore they definitely I could say no I'm sure we're generalising but I think with music and their music teachers they definitely because they open up to me I hear some things I would never repeat because I want them to keep coming back and if there's anything obviously that I'm really worried about I'll ring their parents but well for instance one one kid's I could probably say this one kid actually um, ran out of a lesson Mm -hmm. um, not with me another teacher and ran across the road he was just so distraught because he couldn't play oh, yeah. a particular note. And yeah. it's what else are you going through 
for it to get that that bad you know if something gets hard you just can't cope and you just off you go yeah um sorry i i went off track again because i i just get so upset about it they do trust us um but i don't i don't know if there's places they feel like they can go mm. and i feel like a lot of people these days i mean i know and not to put my parents down but my parents or my mum always said you know don't share what you're going through with people because you know you shouldn't you don't need to do that you know you can just keep it to yourself you don't need to tell people if you're having a hard day so that was her her take on it yeah do you know where that came from i don't know i mean she was brought up by her grandparents so brought up in a very old school way and i don't know if that i've got no idea if that has anything to do with it i don't know what her grandparents were like i'd never met them you've taken the time though max haven't you to actually listen and look into how that would work or not work and i know for me now the best thing to do is be open and honest Mm. every day Because otherwise you bottle too much up. And I think that's what's happening with these kids. Is but you respect your mum's view though, don't you? Totally. Yeah, totally. See? That works for her. Yeah. That works for her. Yeah. But for me, I, it's too hard. Hmm. I bottle too much up because I learnt to keep everything in. Because we're coming back to that now, aren't we? Yeah. With these kids who I feel don't, don't have that trust to, to engage. To say, hey, this, I'm having a hard time at school. Because when they do through their networks the networks are either going to laugh at them or or not give this kind of response a community response yeah no never it's just a little heart yeah and if they don't get that then of course down they go yeah someone didn't like my depressive thought yeah i think i'll be more depressed it's so true it's so scary i keep using the word scary because it is Mm. Mm. but you believe music's the answer music is therapy even for somebody who isn't uh, musical or like, you know, can't sing as such, but picking up an instrument or listening to music. So if take Sia, for example, mm. her songs, they help people. Yeah. Everything she writes, you know, most people can relate mm. to. But if she kept her depressive alcoholism to herself, we wouldn't have Sia. We wouldn't have Sia. Mm. How do we, the listener, support the musician? What do you need from the listener as a a songwriter, performer? Oh, gosh. Just listen. Mm. Take it it in. I don't know. That's a really tough question. I think it's really, really nice when somebody reaches out to you because then you can also reach back Mm. and say, I'm here. Like, I went through the same thing and let's go through it together. Like... Yeah. I don't think, Max, you thought this was going to be a tough album to make, but it's 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 going to become that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you're ready, though, aren't you? I'm so ready. Yeah. There's a, I'm at a turning point in my life. So I'm 29. I'm going to be 30 next year. Talk to me about this. <laughs> so you were five years into a relationship when you were 27. Mm. 27. That's that year. That's the year. Yeah, the Janice the Kurt. How the heck did you get through it? Was it the fact that you were in the relationship at the time or was it something else? How did you get through 27? What was I doing at 27? Was it not an issue for you? No, it is. Tw- 27 to 28 because you, 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 28's a new cycle of your life. You're starting it's to
Oh, I'm, I'm easy. I like the dark stuff. Oh, Sit me in it all day long. That's where the songs come from. Joining us is Maxon. She's uh, just had a release out or is going to have an album out, which is uh, coming off of the back of a seven-year relationship that... Uh, sadly ended or maybe happily ended we'll find out when we get the album we get a chance to listen to it (laughs) but very much you have a unique vocal style is that something you've developed have you wanted to be unique or it's just a natural it's just me the more i sing the more um and the older i get too it changes and at the moment it's like really powerful and kind of raspy as well at the same time and I don't know it changes all the time but yeah that I know there's a style there I don't I don't think about it but and also being a music teacher you uh, are you more aware of how to treat that voice that you do need three packs of smokes a day to, to make it sound right <laughs> yes <laughs> no cigarettes um yeah no, no she said cigarettes <laughs> Um, oh, look, we all have the occasional, don't we? It's not good for your voice, obviously. Everybody knows that. Mm. I know a bit about the voice. I'm not an amazing... I, I wasn't... I didn't have extensive training growing up. I had a teacher who was phenomenal, but we did uh, songwriting. I wanted to be creative. Mm. I wanted to make my own music. So I just learnt what I know by feeling, feeling it out. and Intrigued to know whether or not that voice and I, in the essence that question was there is something that you're developing because you can because you have the knowledge to mm. a particular sound or are you very much leaving it in what is naturally coming out because I know that you could make it something else if you want to yeah you can I think there's always um, an ability there to, to copy mm. another singer um, and I see it all the time with my students every time they learn a new song they copy the artist that they're that they're learning from but I try really hard to encourage them to find their voice. And for me, that was just, I did a lot of cover gigs. Maxon, what's the vision for the next 10 years? You said you're 29, uh, so you're still pretty young. Yeah, I would really like to go overseas. I'd really love to go through um, the UK and perform over there and um, make a bit of a, I'd love to be there, I think. I think Australia has been really hard for me. I don't know why. I think it's hard for everyone, obviously, no matter where you are. I just feel like I need to up and move and and try somewhere new. And I feel like London would be really fun to go and perform. What do those plans sort of look like? It sounds like you've got some... Not really at at this point. It's just a thought. But um, I have singles coming out over the next little while. So I've got one coming out towards the end of the year and then a few more next year. But I'd love to, to pop over to the UK middle of next year and just feel it out, check out the scene, do some gigs. What's your view on dance music uh-huh. and using your voice to further in that direction? Uh-huh. Believe it or not, when I was younger... I have an open mind. I did do a song called Chocolate Lover mm. that I did not write. It was written for me. Mm-hmm. It's still online, but we won't we won't go there with that. Won't track it down. It's not under Maxon, so you might. Oh, yeah. you might be. I've told you the title, Chocolate Lover. You'll probably be able to find it. Um. I give you a tip: don't Google it, <laughs> because the word chocolate and other things can get. Do you know a- what? When when that song came about, the guy that was writing it for me said, "You know, anything with the word chocolate in it is a hit song." 
Mm. And we totally went with it. But I was only 15 or 16 at the time and I should not have been singing what I was singing. Do you... do you, Because you're, you're quite funky, you're quite Yeah, hip. I'm not opposed to doing more uh, vocal, you know, session stuff for other mm. people. Minus the chocolate. Minus the chocolate. The loving's all right. <laughs> um... Yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I, I love singing. I'll sing anything anyone gives me. I'm happy to, you know, mm. make it a challenge and give it a go. But for what I'm creating, it probably wouldn't come from me. But if someone gave me a track and said, write something to it, I would love that. Been asking guests about food. Now, you mentioned previously that you're vegan. Yeah. I've well, been vegetarian for, uh, I reckon, five years now, but vegan for a year and a half. Um, it's, we started with health. I'm just really into health. I love cooking. I love pudding. You know, good. I love pudding as well. Good pudding. 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 Mm, pudding. pudding. Good things. Ah. No, no pudding. Mm, pudding. <laughs> I like putting good things into my body and being healthy. Okay. So, let's talk about health because mm. I, I really want your views on this. Mm. Um, this is talking obviously about the life stuff. So, mm. so vegetarian now vegan. It's about the health. What exactly is healthy about that lifestyle? Obviously, you are what you eat, but what else about it? Well, today I'm a tofu sandwich yep. then. <laughs> I That's probably not even good for you, tofu sandwich. Well, have it's processed. yeast, bread. It's processed. Yeah. It's processed food. Mm. So normally, day to day, I wouldn't eat it. I know that's I'm being so particular. You're and being fussy. naughty today. Aren't I'm you? being naughty today. I've had a chai and a tofu sandwich. Yeah, you're in the big city. I might even go get a vegan donut later. We are designed to eat fruits and vegetables. Our hands are designed to pick fruits and vegetables. Mm. That's what we're supposed to be eating. That's the healthiest thing for us to eat is raw fruit and vegetables. Mm, Not that I eat raw we every day. And we did because we're smart. We, we're smart. We'd learnt to kill an animal because we, we were hungry and I get that I get that if it was survival I would eat anything anything that was put in front of me I would eat it, it no. you know if you, if you really were starving you would mm. and, and in terms of um, the healthy maybe not fitness but the healthy mm-hmm. aspect of it what are you doing there how, how, how are you keeping healthy um, I'm pretty unfit at the moment because I've been um, at home writing songs all day, mm. every day. But Are um, you a runner or a cyclist? Oh, gosh, no. Right. I hate a real strenuous physical activity. I hate it. I'm a musician. <laughs> um, but I love, I do love like outdoorsy things. So like in summer, like I would like to go surfing or mm. I would, you know, I would go for a walk on the beach, not a run. <laughs> mm. um, I do like yoga. I do a bit of yoga. Yeah, but, but not Bikram. But not Bikram, no. There's no collaboration with Sting. That vision <laughs> of seeing Sting doing Bikram yoga on Pulteney Street in Adelaide, like it was great to see him. That's cool. But he, he was sweating. Yeah. He really looked like he needed some help. Yeah. <laughs> some people love it. They, they reckon once you do it a couple of times, it's really addictive. But it's the irony of ringing an ambulance for someone from the police. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> you need another coffee. I'm very interested to find out from you what steps you're taking day to day as a musician. And we've talked Mm. about the space, but it's a discipline, isn't it, music? Yeah, it's really like a a more than a full-time job. It's like a 70-hour-plus week. So how do you organise that? What's some life hacks, I guess, in a way that 
the other inspiring musos who are going, okay, well, Maxon seems to be doing okay, got a couple of singles out. This is, mm. but, but what's happening behind the scenes? How much mm. of it? There's a always more you could be doing, um, which is really, really hard because you feel like it never ends. Mm. But I've been really lucky because I've had help with the email side of things and the booking side of things. If you can get yourself a booking agent, I don't have one, but Emily does, my manager mm-hmm. does um, book gigs for me. That's, I think that's really helpful. Um, but there's a lot, a lot to do day to day. But at the moment I'm really focusing on the writing side. And I think you, I think you need to do that. You need to kind of put the, the emails aside for a certain amount of time because you can get very distracted doing every aspect that you need to do Mm. you know reaching out to radio doing your own press there's things you should palm off to people are good at it and Mm. that's what i'm learning only now what are you reading at the moment i just read the alchemist Mm -hmm. which was a real really nice positive message achieve your goals i think and i think being 29 and just going through that new starting that new cycle i've really yeah. started envisioning my dreams as a child and what i wanted as a child and i forgot a lot of that through my 20s and it was always singing it was always singing it was always music and i think not to say i had a bad relationship at all because i did definitely did not but when you're in a relationship through your 20s your focus shifts and you know we lived together we did everything together and I was always still doing music but I think I was always half-assing it I think that now I'm I'm really I'm really focused and driven and remembering what I wanted as a kid and it was it's always music and I think if you can I think if you can remember those dreams you had as a child and incorporate them later on in life I think you can be quite happy what concerns me when I hear that hmm is that so many people go through a stage of compromise during those years. Yeah. Yep. Over here on the right, hello music is just sitting there constantly, but you're not really looking at it. And that's how I felt. That's how I feel now. It's like music's always been there and I know it's there. So how does one get, as you have now, Mm. or about to get back in love with what's been there all along? Yeah, that's a tough question. How do you not take music for granted? Yeah, that's a really tough question. For me now, I'm learning, um, and I should have learned a long time ago, meditation Mm -hmm. and doing yoga and focusing on being present and listening to yourself and to your heart and what you want. It's a really hard thing to do, though, when you've got all this noise around you day to day. I don't know if there's an answer for it. I'm getting a sense, though, and... And I'm, this isn't a counselling session, by the way. Listen, <laughs> um, we're getting very deep here. Although it's making me feel much better, <laughs> even if it's making you feel like uh, shit. No, it's not at all. I love it. But but now that thing about perspective on the paper mm. through the song. There's a, a very well-known comedian who unfortunately did a stand-up comedy show, which they had to do night in and night out, which they based upon their breakup. Mm. After a three, four-month run of that same show, it got a bit too much mm. and really was quite a crap show because really they were tapping back into somewhere mm-hmm. they really didn't want to go. Mm. How are you managing that vibe that, that you're going to be releasing material that taps into something mm. that isn't so lovely? I don't know yet. I don't know the answer to that yet. But when you feed yourself 
the negative things, your eventually your subconscious is believes it. Mm. I'm pretty lucky because the breakup wasn't bad. As far as breakups go, it was really beautiful, which is weird. Which I'm hearing timely. Yeah, yeah. Awful, awful, sad, all of those things. But the music that I'm writing is very like, it was a great time. It's sad that these things have all, it's kind of just blown up in our face. But, you know, it's time to move on and it's time to, for, for both of us, we never focused on our individual selves. Mm-hmm. So that's what this time is about for me, doing, just doing me. No matter where you are, what you're doing, who you're with, like focus on yourself. It's not selfish if you're if you're listening to you. Mm. Yeah. Maxon, thanks for joining Radio Thank Notes. Thank you so much. It's so nice to finally meet you in person. <laughs> Maxon, in conversation, lifting the curtain on some of their music processes. And as for future projects, they can be found online at maxonofficial.com. Time to get another slice from 2013 from Katie Manning as we... Dive into the archives. You've written a play. What's this all about? Well, years ago in America, I wrote a play. You know, it was given lovely backing um, by Blake Edwards and everything. And, you know, and one thing led to another. And then I had to leave America and I just took all the stuff with me, which I'd done two performances of it. You know, it was one of those things. It was a work in progress. And I got back to England and put it in a cupboard in the 90s in my girlfriend's house in Camberwell in London um, and put it away. And when I went back this time, I unearthed it and I rang Big Finish, who do all those wonderful audios. Got this thing, come and have a cup of tea and piece of cake and I'll read it, you know, and if you don't like it, we'll never speak of it again, you know, because I put it right back to the original things I wrote. Anyway, I've got to about page 14, couldn't find page 15, um, and they said, that's it, stop, we're going to do it. So I did their first um, Big Finish audio drama, and it's called Not A Well Woman, and I played 26 people in it, and I did it all in a day. 26 voices going from newborn babies crying to African men to Australian men to American Every age group. 26 voices in one day there yes. from one woman, Katie Manning. She's on the phone joining me <laughs> on Radio Notes this evening. We're not playing the whole thing. You can download it on the iTunes. That's right. Fascinating stuff. Well, I do a lot of multi-voicing. I've just done the first Doctor Who musical audio where I do quite a few voices and sing in them. Contrary to the voice you may be presenting due to the weather, you actually have quite a musical voice. Uh, yes, it, it, as Barry said, there's so many voices inside me and so many characters living inside me, but he said they're always at their nicest when they're all working. <laughs> and they've all got a gig. What's so rewarding for Katie Manning of actually performing music? Well, I don't do a lot of singing, to surprise. I mean, I sound like Janis Joplin after death if I sing like me. But strange, and I know this sounds a bit wacky, but I actually can sing in other people's voices. I can sing as a little girl. I can sing as um, Eartha Kitt. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really weird. But when I sing like me, I really do sound like I've swallowed a bottle of Brasso. Envisaging of a particular character, are you so set in character performing? Yes. 
yes, I'm, I'm very much. I don't do, you know, yes, absolutely. I mean, even doing an interview for you, I feel slightly kind of um, nervous and unsure. Oh, it's me. I know, but I've got no one to hide behind. Just just pull the doona up, you'll be fine. Are you sure? Yeah, just snuggle <laughs> in there, you'll be fine. You know, how it is, there are character actresses, and I'm very much an actress. I mean, I, you know, if you look at my career, not on Wikipedia, like, before I did Doctor Who, I did Man at the Top, which is a really heavy, sort of groundbreaking piece of television. And then I did um, Doctor Who. Then I came out and I did a 26-week series of arts and crafts called Serendipity, where I made wonderful things out of epoxy resin and, you know, hand-polished semi-precious stones that I found on the beach and taught people how to weave. Whilst I was doing that, I was um, going up to Edinburgh and I was playing a 16-year-old mass murderous girl guide. Mm. Then I came back and I played a junkie in Target, and then I played the first lesbian on British television. It's interesting because it was a true court case. It was the first real court case, and it was an Australian, written by an Australian, directed by Douglas Canfield, who probably directed more Doctor Whos than anyone else, although I never did a Doctor Who for him. Um, and it was a true court case about a woman who was found to be having a relationship with a younger girl, i.e. moi, who actually seduced this suburban woman. The husband found out, and the court case, which was the first court case of its kind, was to say whether or not the woman um, was a fit and proper person to be able to have access to her children. I mean, how far, thank God, have we come since then? We've still got a way to go, though. We've got a hell of a way to go, my darling, but we have come a lot further since then. Part of that, you portrayed her on, on, on the telly, and you had to, of course, show your affections to the other lady. That's right. Having been condemned for it, um, you know, I got letters of hate, and I got, you know, all sorts, but I also got letters of wonderful congratulations and thanking me for representing this girl in sort of in a totally non-stereotypical way. You've been very lucky to be embraced by what you call the business. Have you had any fears over the years that the business would let you down? No, I, you know, I'm, I very much live in the moment, which I think is very obvious by my lifestyle. Um, I really do only have now. And I don't look forward and think, oh, what will happen if? And, oh, and, you know, I, the world is so, is such an extraordinary place with so much beauty and so much cruelty. And, you know, every day I'm in my absolute moment as much as I can be. I, I mean, like, I, yes, I know if I've got to be at the theatre at 10 o'clock, I've got to be at the, the you know, things like that. I never rely on anything. You just have to take the moment as it comes. If you put it out there that you're going to have problems, you're going to have them. And I used to say to people, I get halfway across the living room and my whole life can change. So plans are pointless. They can quite often be very disappointing. You know, if you're a planner and you keep making plans and they keep not working out because you never know what the universe is going to throw at you, do you? You know, happening to me right now, and that's why I'm rushed back from um, London to Australia because I have family crisis to deal with over here. Um, you just have to go in the moment. That's all you've got, my sweet. That's all I've got. When you've got family, some people would say that you do need to take a little bit more of a forward view on things. That's not necessarily the case, though, is it? Well, I brought up two children who were very, very ill for many years on my own. 
Um, I changed countries during that time, which meant I gave up a massive career in England. And I, you know, came across here where I didn't know anybody. I created a new career here. I went to America. I worked in America because the children needed operations there. And I've now gone back to England. Both my children are very balanced. My son is still here. Neither of them have gone into the business. My daughter was a dancer, but round about, you know, 25, she took herself off to university and said, that's it, I'm done with dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, she, does a, she does a job I don't understand. <laughs> so does my son. <laughs> what, what do they do? Are they accountants? Well, my daughter is head of HR at a massive company in London. I thought HR was something you took for menopause, but apparently... <laughs> my son designs touch pads and things. So, you know, I'm sure they're my children. I mean, I was thinking of going on to Jeremy Carl and having it verified. Um, but, but, you know, what I'm saying to you is I managed to do that. I'd like to be a bit bold, and I'm no Dr. Phil, but I'm thinking because you lived with such freedom and would have given them freedom to decide their own way, oh, yeah. they wouldn't have felt compelled to actually follow you. Uh, you wouldn't have been disappointed, as it sounds like you're not disappointed, in the choices that they made nothing to do with me yeah. it's their destiny i'm only here with my hand out if they need me but my children had to be you know as long as i gave them guidelines you know to to being compassionate and caring and hard working and conscientious people that was as a mother what i could do the rest is up to them i mean they love all kinds of food. I don't, you know, I don't. I used to sit and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and my children would be eating steamed vegetables and, you know. <laughs> so, and my daughter's getting married next year. You see, she said, Mummy, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to get married. I was going to ask that, like, in terms, <laughs> in, in, in terms of the daughter, would she be keen to go down the, the aisle? And then I'm thinking, your choice not to get married is more about your freedom and the way yes. that you've led your life. You don't put that on your children because it, it's their life. It's not my life. As I say, as long as I... As God, God, this is getting deep. Um, as long as they're guided into, as I say, the things that I think are really important in life, it must be theirs. It's not my destiny. It's theirs. Part two of Katie Manning from the archives. Special thanks to Maxon for being our special guest on this episode. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 